0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. All praise and thanks belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and may the peace and blessing of Allah be upon His servant and final messenger Muhammad صلى الله عليه As to what follows, my dear respected brothers and sisters in Islam. السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته. Uh, last week, uh, we ended the discussion off with the concluding ayah of the first passage uh, of Surah al takwir and that was, "Alimat ma ahbarat." That was the concluding ayah of the first passage. And we said, Surat al takwir it's made up of two passages. The first passage that describes the events of the Day of Judgment, that is, uh, كورت, كدرت, and so on. And then there's a second passage, and the second passage is actually referring to Al-Quran, the revelation, al risala And so Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala proves al-Risala. how is this true? And we're going to, inshaAllah Ta'ala, discuss why the idea of the Risala, and how these two passages are both connected. So now, we find in the second passage that the Surah takes a shift. Surah at takwir takes a, a shift. And this passage, this passage that we're going to discuss today, from فَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِالْخُنَّسِ al kunnas is a conclusion of what came before, of everything that came before. And why do we say it's a conclusion? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَا bil بِالْخُنَّسِ This fa' in فَلَا, this fa here necessarily connects whatever ayat, are coming to the ayat that have already came so this fat is the fat they call it the connector it connects basically what's coming after to what was before so this is what we have to study and see how it's all connected and related so that passage that had just ended before it ended with the ayat alimat nafsun ma ahbarat that was the conclusion of the entire passage of basically that what, what, what that meant was every single person already knows and already knows very very well what they have or what they will present forth on the day of judgment. You know it very well, alimat, not will know, alimat, you already know. And we gave the example of if you're a student walking into the class to sit an exam, and you haven't studied for the exam. You walk in and you walk out, the day of the results, you know you failed. You know it. So Alimat. <laughs> so everyone knows exactly what you do in this world, and on that day when these events unfold, you're already going to know exactly where you're headed. You know exactly what's going on, because you know what you did. So Alimat, nafsum ma Every single soul, every single person already knows what they have to present forth on that day. And this ayah, عَلِمَتْ نَفْسٌ مَا أَحْبَرَتْ is an ayah referring to the actions one does. Your actions. Now the second half of the surah takes us from the world of actions to the world of beliefs. This is the connection. And why is it a connection? Because your actions are results of what you believe. What you believe, what you believe, will eventually uh, be manifest in what you do. So these two are always connected, belief and action. And that's why you find in the Quran that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always links these together. آمنوا الصالحات إِلَّا مَن تَابَ وَعَمِلَ عَمَلًا Amal and Iman is the belief and the Amal as-Saleh is the actions. So these two, there's like a cycle between the Amal and Iman. And as we said, what you believe leads to a certain type of action. And whatever your action is, whatever action you do is only due to a belief you had. So there's a cycle between Al-Amal and Iman, the belief and the actions. So عَلِمَتْ نَفْسٌ مَا أَحْبَرَتْ This actually, this concluding ayah of that passage was about the actions. Now this passage that we're going to share, this is the final passage of the surah, it's going to discuss the beliefs, the beliefs. So, something we should know before we get into this passage, before we get into this ayat, we should, we have to know, shed some light, about the thought process about the beliefs of guffar quraish what was their belief what was something they had in common amongst them all that they believed now Gufal quraish they thought that certain things were bad omens so for example if you had a daughter that's a bad omen. it's a sign of misfortune for the family. It's a sign of badness, of evil. Something bad is going to happen to you. And they had many superstitious beliefs. For example, in the sun, in the moon, in the rain, in the clouds, how they come, the wind. Many of these superstitious beliefs. And one of these was the beliefs in stars. The belief in stars. And this is not only limited to them, even nowadays we have the study of astrology, you know, fortune-telling, palm reading and so on. And this is an entire business, it's an entire industry that runs that runs throughout the world. It wasn't only limited to Quraysh's time, rather we still find that up until today. You know like, of the criminal industries we have, for example there's the, uh, like the, the drug trafficking, the oil smuggling, Uh, They have the, the organized crimes the prostitution rings and so on of these Industries you also have astrology. It's it's one of a criminal industry and unfortunately This even exists amongst the Muslims in the Muslim world So you have some Muslims when they're depressed or when they feel possessed leading a depressed life you'll find they go to palm readers They go to these people that learn astrology, the science of stars. And they go and they speak to them, hoping that they would give them some sort of guidance on how to lead their future. What to do? This is unfortunate, but you find it in the Muslim world. And no doubt this is shirk. This is shirk. Why? Because the belief that that other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the, the knowledge of the unseen is shirk and the knowledge of the stars, apparently these people they they claim that they know the the, ghayb, the the unseen, the future and so if you believe other than Allah knows this then you're a mushrik, so already this belief is kufr and it is shirk, and so Quraysh had this thing, they had this belief in the stars, now you know the stars how they twinkle, right, they come on and off they're bright then they fade away, then they come back into their brightness. They have this on and off thing. Now Quraysh would think that when the stars are twinkling, they're trying to tell us something. They're trying to speak to us. And they, when they see a shooting star, when they see a shooting star from the sky, they would say that this is a sign of something. It's referring to something. So some people, some people in Quraysh, they have no business. They have nothing to sell. So what would they do? They'd say and they'd make it common amongst the people that they belong to a certain group of people and they belong to a certain group of people that have contact with the stars, that these people have access with the devils, with the shayateen, who go up to the heavens and find out what these stars are telling us. And they'd go around to the people and they'd scare them. They'd go to them. They'd say, "Oh, look, something very, very dangerous, something big of an event is coming towards you, coming to your, towards your family, coming towards your future." You know, come visit us, and for only twenty dollars, we'll tell you exactly how to get rid of this, or how to solve this problem. And this even exists. And um, today, you open the newspaper, you find you know, call 1300 to find about your future $18 an hour or something. This this happens up until today it's, it's there. And this happened long time before and this is the belief of the Mushrikeen. Now basically the idea was that this was a business and the idea was that you come to us we'll give you information from a secure source from the devils, from the shahateen that we can talk to and we'll get you this information and we'll deliver it to you for a low cost. That was the idea. And so people, misled, misguided people they would go to them. So you'd have the pregnant woman, for example, go to these kuhairn, these fortune tellers, these palm readers, what am I gonna have, a baby? a baby boy or a baby girl, and you'll have the tribes, some certain individuals will go to them, and they'll say, if I kill this person from this tribe, would I eventually get caught for it? Should I go for it or not? So they get this information, and this was their belief. And so these gohan these mind readers, these palm readers and so on that would, uh, would claim and acknowledge for themselves that they know the future, When the person comes and asks them for guidance, when he's seeking guidance, they'll mumble a few words. Make it like there's some telepathic connection going on. And then after a while, they'll say, I got it. You should do this, you should do that, you should stay away from this, make sure you don't go there, everything should be fine. Allah give us the money and go. This was the idea, this is what was going on. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this passage, he takes an oath by the stars. This was important to understand, so now you can understand exactly how this passage comes in, in context. Allah Subhanahu wa taala swears and He takes an oath by the stars. And keep in mind that the stars, as we already said, in the Quraysh, in the Mushrik culture, specifically the Quraysh culture, it had to do a lot with bad omens and superstitious beliefs. That's the start. And one of the allegations, one of the accusations against the Messenger وسلم, was that he's a kahan as well. He's a mind reader, he's a palm reader as well. He gets this stuff, they're referring to the revelation, he gets it also from the devils, from the shayateen. And there's no difference between us and him. But of course there's a difference. Because what Rasulullah is telling them what he's reciting to them is making people question their conscience. It's making some people have a serious thought about what Rasulullah is reciting. Unlike the Quran, he gets paid for what he's doing, and then most of the time, the Quran they will tell you something you want to hear, and so you're being convinced, and so you get, uh, so you can refer others to them, so they'll tell you what you want to hear. So, what comes in this surah, in Surah al takwir and what came before it in Surah Abasa, describing the events of the day of judgment, and then what happens on the day of resurrection, all this is not something the mushrik wants to hear. Isn't because he doesn't believe in this. So, he doesn't want to hear that. All these realities, he doesn't want to hear it. So he has to find somewhere to get his guidance. If not from the Qur'an, where is it going to be? Belief is something that has to be in everyone. He's not going to get it from Rasulullah. So he's going to divert, he's going to go to the palm readers, to the Quran, and that's where he's going to take his information and his guidance from. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he goes to the apparent source of knowledge, which is the stars and it says فَلَا اُقْسِمُ بِالْخُنَّسِ فَلَا No on the contrary this is one opinion that لا here in this ayah is not connected to اُقْسِمُ so it's like فَلَا No absolutely not your beliefs and this superstitious belief you have this is all false this is all wrong it's misguiding, it's misleading. Not at all. Don't have these assumptions. Don't make these assumptions. Be quiet, quiet, all of you. Listen to what I'm going to say. All this is described and illustrated in the word falak, in la. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Khunnas. I swear by al khunnas And al-khunas is the plural of khanis. And khanis, literally in the Arabic language is someone who goes on a path, then they hide behind something. Then they come back out, then they walk for a bit, then they hide behind something. So a khanis is someone that hides and appears, hides and appears. Whether he's walking in the bush, he hides behind a tree, then he comes out, then he hides behind a rock. That's someone khanis. Someone that does this is described as a khanis. And so this Al-Khunnas is referring to the stars, because the stars, they have this, where they hide, that's when they twinkle, their light is off, then they come back on, off and on. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala referred to the stars by saying Al-Khunnas. So the mushrik, the mushrik in Quraysh, when he sees a star, he says it's a sign for me, there's some sort of information for me. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is calling this staff, his apparent source of knowledge. He's calling it al-khunnas. He's saying that this that you rely on is something that disappears and appears. So how do you rely on something that's not even stable? Something that's on and off? Serious! Is this your guidance? Something that goes and comes? And this is what you're relying on. Regarding your life and your future and your family and your tribes. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swears by al-Khunas, it also indicates that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who controls the stars. He's in total control of the stars. So one opinion is that la is not connected to al-Qasam at all. La is negating what came before of ideas and superstitious beliefs we already discussed. Saying "la," meaning no, all that is wrong. Then bil khunnas is like the new sentence. Now there's a second opinion. These are important to share so you can see the, the diverse nature of the Qur'an, how the ayat come, and how the opinions come to explain uh, the Qur'an and the misconceptions sometimes some of us have. So the other meaning, "fala Basically some of the ulama said, bil all of it means, I do swear by al-khunnas. And the third opinion, and this is what we want to share. Now we know in the Arabic language, la means no. So when we read, Fala uqsimu bil Literally, this will mean, I do not swear by al-khunnas. This is what it literally means. Now in order to understand this, how do we understand Allah is saying, No, I do not swear by al-khunnas. How do we understand this? We have to see what the subject of the oath is. Right, before I told you that when Allah makes an oath in the Quran, there's always the object and there's the subject. Right, and we said they're both linked together. So at the end, inshaAllah, I'll link to you how the stars is related to the subject. But let's for now see what the subject is. So the subject here, when we get to it, but we'll get to it now so we can understand this, إِنَّهُ Karim. Basically the subject is Al-Qur'an. Speaking about the Qur'an itself. And so the object here is the stars. Now when you take an oath, when you take an oath, when you swear by something, when you swear to something, that means that what you're about to say could possibly be doubtful. So you swear to remove any kind of doubt. I'm in the masjid. Someone doesn't believe you. Wallahi, I'm in the Masjid. So you took an oath, so the doubt could be removed from the one you're speaking to. So now, now that we know the subject is the Qur'an, is the Qur'an a doubtful matter? Is the Qur'an something we doubt? No. It's not something we doubt. And because it's not something we doubt, Allah says, I do not swear by Al-Khundas. I don't have to swear by Al-Khundas. Because the Qur'an is a matter, is a subject that's very clear, that's not doubtful, it doesn't even require a sweat It doesn't even require to take an oath upon. This is a strong opinion, but the majority opinion is that la is not connected. But if you want to understand it, that it's connected, that will be the meaning of it. That this this subject that Allah took an oath by is so powerful, it's so clear, that I don't have to take an oath by. But we said that the majority is that fala is by itself negating all the beliefs they had before, then uqsimu bil khunnas. I swear by al-Khunnas, which is referring to the stars, and the stars twinkle, turn on and off, so that's why they call Al-Khunnas. Al-Jawaril khunnas. Now Allah doesn't say waljawar il-kunnas, al khunnas. He immediately says al-jawari kunnas, and because there is no wow there is no fair It means this is connected to the previous a. So al-jawari comes from the word jara yajuru which basically means you're on a course, you're on the highway, for example, and you veer off. You all of a sudden you're off the highway, like you go into an exit or something. That's jara. To veer off course. And so this is referring to the stars that go off their place, that veer off their course. You know what I'm talking about? About the shooting stars. So you know the stars, they have their course, and all of a sudden, if you've seen this before, a shooting star, it just comes off course. It's Al Jawa'al, it just, all of a sudden it's gone off and it drives this way. Now, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala says, Al-Jawari, Al-Kunnas. Now, to understand Kunnas and we'll wrap them together. Al-Kunnas comes from the word Kinas. And Kinas, literally in the Arabic language, is the hiding place of a D. Of a D. So, this D, it runs, it runs, it runs in the bush, and then all of a sudden it's invisible. It's gone. It's out of sight. Where did it go? It went into its Kinas. In its hiding place. Then it comes out, it runs again, then it hides again. And subhanAllah, look how, look at the beautiful analogy of this ayah. Al-Jawari Al-Kunnas. You know what did we say Al-Jawari is? The shooting star, yeah? Now look at the shooting star. It shoots for a brief moment, where is it gone? Disappears. It's Al-Kunnas, all of a sudden it disappears. You don't know where it went. It's not like you see it veering off course, it keeps going up until you know where it's gone. It's there for those few brief moments and then all of a sudden it disappears. Its light has gone off. <coughs> and these were the superstitious beliefs of the mushrik. That's what he had. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala began this passage by swearing, taking an oath by these stars illustrating the total control Allah Azza has above these stars. Now ash rahimahullah, he comments and he says, beautifully he says that the Mushrikeen, they believe that the Shayateen the devils, they get the information from the stars that's what they believe. The Shayateen they climb above each other, one on, on top of the other, up until they get to the sky and then they steal some information. يَسْتَرِقُونَ السَّمَعِ يسترق from السَّمَعِ He steals the information. And we know about الجوالِ الْقُنَّسِ that we just read now. We know about this, the shooting stars. And Allah calls it in another place in the Qur'an, شِحَاب What do we know about these? That when they shoot, who are they shooting? They're shooting the devils. That have climbed to the sky. So Allah shoots them with a shooting star and it kills them or it injures them badly. That's what we know of these stars. And they don't get this information completely. Their ladder drops. So what you think, a O Quraysh, what you think is the source of information from those shayateen is actually a punishment towards them. It's not information for them. It's a punishment towards them. They are getting pelted with these stars. That's how secure the information that's in the sky. That's how secure it is. So it's the exact opposite of what they believe. فَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِالْخُنَّسِ Contrary. فَلَا, no, that's not the idea. They're not getting the information from these stars. These stars are pelting them rather. That's what the stars are doing. So now already we see a beautiful connection coming together. SubhanAllah, listen to this now. You know the first passage and the second passage? Where was the mention of stars in the first passage? Who can tell me the ayah? The second, the second ayah, right? Wa'ivam What? In kadra. What did we say in qadarat meant? dull still it loses its colour. And then as a result, what happens to it? It falls. Look at this beautiful connection. Ya Mushrik. You don't believe even You don't believe this? You don't believe that a day is going to come when the stars basically shut down, the lights turn off, and they're gonna drop? Well, if you don't believe this, then you have a sign in this life. Look at Al-Jawair al kunas. Look at the shooting star. Make sure when you see the shooting star, that's supposed to serve as a reminder for you that this is going to happen one day. Beautiful connection between the first passage and the second passage. So enough of your superstitious beliefs. When you see a al when you see the shooting star, this better serve as a reminder for you that day of judgment is true. And this should increase your belief in the Day of Judgment. You see the irony? Not believe, not increase your belief in your future and guide you to your future. This should be a sign for you that Yawmul Qiyamah is a day of truth and it is coming. And this is for all of us. You see a shooting star, remember that day when the stars are actually going to all shoot and fly out of their place. Then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا asas. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala He swears by another powerful, incredible thing. He says by the night, as it عسعس. and asas means as it darkens. Now the word asas in the Arabic language is from what we know as al الْلَفْضِ Words that mean their opposites. This incredible Arabic language, some words mean opposite, mean actually two things that are opposite. For example, ardhan. the word means assumption, doubt. It also means certainty. <laughs> Those that certainly believe they'll meet their Lord. So these, this is from المتضاد, the lovely. Subhanallah, the diverse nature of the Arabic language. You have the word wara'. Who knows what wara' means? Behind, it also means in front. Means in front of them there was a king. Means and in front of them there's the life of al barzakh. There's the life of the grave. So wara' means behind and it also means in front. And so you find the word, for example, hayya. Hayya is a snake. And when you see a snake, it's something that's dangerous. It could pose a threat and harm to the human. It could basically kill you. But Hayya comes from the word Hayy, which means something that's alive, something that's full of life. So there's this, this, uh, the concept of al-mutabad, the lafdi, words that mean the opposites. So now coming back to the surah, As-As has two meanings. Aqbala wa adbar. It means, I swear by the night as it comes. And it also could mean, I swear by the night as it goes. That's what us means. So don't confuse when you see the translations like this. Rather, you've got to understand both of them. And both of them come in perfect meaning in this ayah. So Allah is taking an oath by the start of the night. And He is taking an oath by when the night departs. And these two times, these two times, they are referring to when the vision is blurry. So when the night approaches, the vision becomes blurry. As the night departs, the vision at that time is blurry. And at these times, when the vision becomes blurry, you don't see the stars, do you? You don't see the stars. So at that time, where do you get your guidance from? If during the night they come on and off and during the night as it as the times of blurriness, when the night comes and when it goes, there is no stars to see, where do you get your guidance at this time? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He swears by a time, as in where He controls even how much you get to see these stars. You don't even have control over what you can see. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath, by And I swear, by the morning, as it gets a chance to breathe, look at the imagery created in this air. It's like the night has been. It the night is chokes, it chokes the day. The night chokes the day, literally. And in the morning, the day gets to breathe. It takes a breath. Now we're going to understand this when we connect the objects to the earth, to the subject, you understand exactly what this is talking about. What something's being said in between the lines. And when the, day arrive, when the day arrives, when the day arrives, when the subh comes, where are the stars? There you cannot even see anything. So during the night, they're and off, they're unstable. During the night, as it asks us, when it comes and when it disappears, when it goes, you don't see them. And then when a surah comes, when the morning, when the day comes, there is no stars at all to be seen. Invisible. They're gone. And when it's the day, if there's a star, if there's a shooting star during the day, which this could be possible, you don't even have any idea there was a shooting star. So if the shooting star gives you information, what happened to that critical information during the day? It's gone, it passes by, you don't even know. So how do you rely on this as guidance? And as information? So all of this information, all of these beliefs you assume is correct, is in fact weak, worthless, it's false, it's rubbish. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He informs us of the right source of knowledge. And this is the subject of the oath. He says, إِنَّهُ لَقَوْلُ Rasulin karim this is no doubt no doubt this is the qawl, the word of a noble messenger now it's referring here to Jibreel alaihi salam. but let's take the ayah word by word Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says innahu it what it why did we say to referring to the Quran there was no mention up until now in this surah of the Quran so how do we all of a sudden say this pronoun is actually referring to the Qur'an. You know why we say this? Because the Qur'an was such a big matter at that that time that when you say it, everyone already knows what you're referring to. And SubhanAllah, let me give you a very small example of my experience of this. When I was in Egypt uh, a few months ago, and this towards the end of my trip there, you know of course the the political tension that happened there uh, against the, the government and against the president and so on, Eventually, in in my last days there, anywhere you'd go, you'd hear the people say, did they remove him yet? Did they remove him yet? Did they get rid of him? They wouldn't mention his name. Everyone knows who him is. It's speaking about the president. Everyone knows. The matter is so big in the country that when they say, have they removed him? Or did he speak? Has he done his speech yet? Even say his name, you already know who he is. So the Quran at that time, was so much bigger of a matter that there is no mention of Inna al Rasulin Now everyone already knows what it's pointing to, and this happens not only, not only this time. It happens a lot in the Qur'an. Inna anzalnahu fi Already the beginning of a surah is saying, "We revealed it in the night of power." Who? It? What's it? It's referring to the Qur'an. Obviously, that was the big discussion going on. So already people know what Innahu is referring to. So Innahu, the Qur'an. Now this is the subject of the oath. Let's now just tie the objects to the subject, beautifully see this, this, this incredible connection between these two. We said Al-Khunnas are the twinkling stars. Stars have three benefits that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in the Qur'an. Three purposes. Al-Khunnas gives us two purposes. Firstly, is that these stars? They're guidance for the traveler. They're a guidance for the traveler. And the stars also are a decoration for the sky. The subject is what? The Quran. The Quran is a guidance for the traveler. We are traveling towards Allah. Every ayah in the Quran is a star that guides you to Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. The stars are a decoration. The Quran is a decoration for your heart. It purifies your tongue. Even literally people use the ayat of the Quran to decorate their house. That's that's in the literal sense. Now Allah said al-jawari How is that related to the to the subject What's Al-Jawari Al-Kunnas? It's the shooting stars. The Quran, it shoots the misconceptions and the doubts you have about the Quran. Every ayah in the Quran serves as a doubt-remover. It shoots your doubts. Uh, they say, shubuhat." This is the idea, this is the connection. And. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala, He swears by the night as it darkens. وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا asas. He's comparing this to the blurriness and the confusion of the ways of the fortune tellers. And then He says, subhi إِذَا تَنَفَّسَ He swears by the morning as it gets a chance to breathe, comparing it to the true revelation and to the true guidance. From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the night, as he asks us, it's blurry. And the information given to you by the kuhhan, by the fortune tellers, will lead a blurry life for you. You'll be, you'll lead a miserable, confusing life. But as subhi, that tanfas, follow the true guidance and the true information from Allah, you'll lead a clear life, just like the day is clean we can see everything and differentiate two things from uh, apart two things from another allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says inna laqawlu laawlu means the word but to explain this we need to see what is the synonym of qawl so what's another word for qawl in arabic qala qawl this is the same kalam Kalām. Allah doesn't say, إِنَّهُ لَكَلَامُ رَسُولٌ So what's the difference between qawl and kalam? And this, this, a lot of uh, misconception happens here. فَإِنَّهُ لَقَوْلُ رَسُولٌ See, it's the word of Jibreel, it's not the word of Allah. This happens. So we need to respond to this. How do we respond? We, when you understand the difference between kalam and qawl, you'll understand. Kalam and qawl means word. Both mean the same. But what specific details do they both carry? Kalam is literally that which comes from the source. So, for example, you say the Quran, you grab it, you say this is Kalam Allah. You look at the hadith, you say this is Kalam Allāh. You speak something, I say this is Kalam Ahmed, for example. That's his Kalam. I say that's his Kalam. Now, Qawl is when someone else words you. It, it, someone else he words you he quotes what you say so for example we quote Rasulullah sallallahu from the hadith so what do we say Qala Rasulullah because what we're about to say what we say after Qala that indicates it's not my word Qala it already indicated that's not my word I say Qala Ahmad meaning what I'm going to say now is not my word I'm just quoting it. So this is the difference. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, la He doesn't say, la kalam." It's not the word of Jibreel. This is the qawl of Jibreel. It implies that Jibreel doesn't make up these words. Rather he hears them from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he passes every single letter and word, he hears unto the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is qawl, because it's a qawl, meaning what? He quoted it. Who did he get it from? Who did he hear it from? From Allah. So if it was innahu la kalam, we would have understood this is the made up word of Jibreel. But Allah said qawl, and by qawl, we already understand this what Jibreel is saying, what he recites unto Rasulullah is actually quoted Therefore, it is kalamullah. So, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ascribes this word to Himself, for example, in Surah At-Tawbah, He said, What? Well, because the word of Allah. So, Allah refers to His word as kalam. That's His kalam. Right. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Innahu laqawlu Rasulin Kareem. Rasulin Kareem, here it's referring to Jibreel alayhi salam. Rasul comes from the word arsala. Arsala literally means to send out a message. You send someone with a letter, you send someone with a message, go on and send it. If he goes on and sends out, I call him Rasul. Someone that delivers a message. And so Jibreel was called a Rasul because he takes a message from Allah and he comes all the way down to the earth and he gives it to Rasulullah. Now, something else we should note in Rasul. This in the in the in the study of morphology, الصرف, we say that this is on the pattern of faul. Don't get too confused, I'll give you what this implies already. Fa'ul, rasul, they both all rhyme, so you have sa'ul as well. And all this implies hyperbole, mubalagha. So when we say rasul, there's a hyperbole about something. It hyperbolizes how professional this message has been delivered. Allah referred to him as Rasul. The proper good translation for this would be someone who is a professional messenger, someone that has a lot of experience in messaging and going on about in messaging. So all the prophets were called Rusul, Rasul, because they're the bester. So for example, let me just give you a, an example, a term that we can understand together. Uh, I say, هَذَا He is asking. But if I say Hada saul means he's a professional at asking questions. He just keeps on asking questions after and after and after. If I want to say this, I will say saul that wow in the middle. So this rasul, even when you read it, you stop on it. You extend it, giving you the idea of there's too much experience. This is the only job he could ever have. This is the best job. So this is the, the idea of rasul and how it gives us the meaning. Kareem. This is the first quality out of five qualities that now Allah Azza wa is going to describe Jibreel. Really, really important these qualities. Each and every single one of them is so important to understand in the context of what we're speaking. So I'll share them with you inshaAllah. The first one is Kareem. Allah describes him as Kareem. Now Kareem here means he's noble. He's respected. And out of his nobility, part of his nobility, Is that he's truthful when he conveys the message to Rasulullah. Why does Allah describe Jibreel as Kareem? So he can respond to the disbelievers. Jibreel is Kareem. Remember how they accused Rasulullah of getting this word from a devil as well? Oh, he gets his stuff from the devil as well. So what if we get our stuff from the devil? Now Allah says, no. This Rasul that gives him the message is Karim. He's noble. And part of the nobility is that he doesn't lie. He's truthful when it comes to delay relaying the message. Unlike your people, they're not Kareem. The devils. One truth. Ninety nine lies. There's no Kareem to them. So it's important to describe Jibreel as Karim. So it can go against who they refer to. Kareem. Another meaning of Kareem is Jamil ul manzar Beautiful looking, handsome. That's another meaning of Kareem. And you know there's the concept and the idea of when someone looks beautiful, they say, oh, he's an angel. You've heard this before. So there's something not to do with angel and beautiful looks. Now why is it mentioned, important to mention this? Because the devil, how does he look? How does Allah describe him? As an evil, ugly, wicked looking creation. When he describes a horrible tree in Jahannam, he compares it to the head of a devil. So you can just have the idea of the ones you're relying on. Firstly, one truth, 99 false, 99 lies, and he's ugly looking, and Jibreel is noble, he's respected, and he's good looking, and he's truthful when he conveys the message. In the previous surah, Surah Abasa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defended the source. He defended the message. He defended the Qur'an. He said, In that surah, Allah defended the source, the Qur'an. This surah, Allah is defending the means in how this Qur'an gets to us. SubhanAllah, beautiful connection between the two surahs. So now, and in this surah later on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defends the messenger himself when he says, sahibukum So there are three things here. There's the message, which is the Quran. There's the delivery process, which is the way the Quran gets to us. And there's the one that relays this message to us. That's Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So the defense of the message of the Qur'an came in Surah Abbasah The defense of how this Qur'an comes down, and the defense of to whom it comes down upon, is in this Surah, Surah al takweer Then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, So Kareem, this word actually it is defending Jibreel, but at the same time it's defending the means of how the Qur'an comes to us because it comes through Jibreel so it's important to say okay and that is defending the sannad of this Qur'an, how it comes down the second quality the قوة possessor of strength of might of power why is this important to describe Jibreel? it illustrates the idea that the message is protected so if the devils try to come and steal something he's poor he's powerful they can't steal nothing so it's important to understand that jibreel has might and has power if the devils try to gang up onto him try to get onto him steal what he has he has power he has 600 wings one wing covers the sky covers between the the west and the east, he destroyed four towns, Jibreel. And he destroyed the towns with one wing. 599 wings weren't even in use. He grabbed, he grabbed the town, he picked it up. He lifted it all the way to the sky. In the narration it says that the angels, they heard the screams of these people on the land. Then he flipped it. With one wing. That's the force, that's the power he has. The shaitan sees him, he runs away. He has to have this power. He's delivering sacred information, he's delivering the Quran. So Allah describes him as. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and this is in contrast to the devils. Unlike your devils, they can't fend off the shooting star. When the shooting star hits him, what is he got A shield and push it back? It hits him and kills him or he injures him. So there's no power with who you're basing your information and taking your information and your guidance from. Rather this messenger is the Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, عند This is the third quality Allah describes Jibreel. He says he is situated right by the possessor of the throne عِنْدَ the literally an arsh is the roof A arsh is a roof and why was the arsh referred to as a roof because it is the roof of the creation it is above all creation so Allah called it an arsh and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he is عِنْدَ ذِي مَكِين and makin comes from the word makkan and maqan tamkeen, makan Makan means a place. And Makin, tamkeen it means to have high status. This is Makin, to have high status. And so Makin also means to have authority. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, We gave you authority in this land. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes Jibreel as He has a place. He has a place. Where is this place? Allah honors him by putting him at Al-Arsh. He's right at the Arsh, that's where he's situated. That's his roof, that's the house. That's where he lives. That's where he's situated permanently. And he is McKean. At the same time, because he lives there, he has high status. You know this, the idea nowadays, and even in the past, if you live in expensive areas, then somehow people assume that you're, you have some sort of high rank in society. So you live in Double Bay or you live in Vaucluse or somewhere, people already assume that oh, you live there, that means you got some, some noble status. You're high. So you can just imagine what kind of what kind of nobility, what kind of high status Yubrir has. That's where his house is. It's عند دل عرش. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مكين, unlike your devils. Unlike the devils, you take your information and your guidance from, they can't even get near the sky. They try to get near the sky, they're pelted. Jibril is he's up at the end. He's basically at the roof of all creation. That's where our Qur'an, when we follow the Qur'an, when we follow the guidance, rest assured, this is coming from the most, from the most best sources. And it is coming down with full protection. Then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala describes Jibreel again. This is now the fourth description. He says Muta'in thammuta'ain thammuta'ain means he is a bird. And muta'ain also has the word tawwah. You know what tawwah means? You know you say salat al-tawwah. What's that? Voluntary prayers. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Fman tawwah khayran." فَهُوَ خَيْرٌ Whoever voluntarily fasts, it's good for him. فَمَنْ تَطَوَّعَ خَيْرًا فَإِنَّ اللَّهِ Whoever voluntarily makes tawaf, besides the obligation, then Allah is appreciative. So tawwa' gives us the meaning of volunteer. And muta' gives the meaning of obey. So how do these two incredibly go together? Listen to this, what a beautiful of a meaning. Jibreel has an army of angels that obey him, and they obey him voluntarily. They obey him voluntarily. Mutah, Thamma, Thamma means over there. Thamma means Hunak. He's obeyed right at the throne. That's where he's obeyed. This multitude of army, this huge army he has of angels, of followers, they don't forcefully obey Him. They're not forced like what we have of kings today. They force their people, their army to follow them. Rather, Allah says mutaa, what a beautiful word, gives us the meaning of that they respect Him. Why do they respect Him? Because Allah honored Him. Because Allah gave Him high status. So we should respect Him as well. So He says Muta and thamma. He's obeyed voluntarily. He's obeyed lovingly over there. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Amin. Now there's a two qiraat for thamma. There's some other qurra, they recited muta'in and When you write, when you read thamma, that means hunak, that means there. The other qira'at is to put a bombma on the tha' and that's the word that we know. Muta'in thumma ameen. Thumma ameen. Now, Thummah is very important in the language to understand that anything comes after Thummah is of course connected to what comes before but it highlights what comes after. So in other words, basically what's being said, Jibreel he is Kareem, he is Dhuquwa, he is Makeen, he is Indadil Arshi Makeen, he is Muta' but the most important of qualities is that his Ameen? Now, why is it the most important? Let's understand. The first quality was karim, Noble, respected, beautiful looking. Alright, you can have this. A ruler or a leader, for example, Jibreel, let's say you can have this. Ameen, by the way, means trustworthy. Trustworthy. You can have power, might, strength. Makeen. You could have high status. You could be elevated in your ranks. You can have a large following that loves you. But you know what the problem could be? You could be untrustworthy. All this could follow you and deceive you. And you're yourself, you're a liar. You're a liar. It could happen. So the most important of all qualities was what came after Thummah. He is especially trustworthy because this messenger, this Rasul, he could come down tamper with the message. He could play with it, he could change it. As he's reciting to Rasulullah, he could change it. But Allah says, especially above all these, the most important quality is that he is Amin. He's trustworthy. Unlike your source, there is no trustworthy. There is no trustworthiness. So this is important to mention. and thamma amin. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He basically now just defended how the Qur'an comes down. He defended the means in how the Qur'an is revealed. Subhanallah. No doubt, no doubt anymore about the Qur'an and how it was revealed to us. This is how it was revealed. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said "Wama." صَاحِبُكُمْ بِمَجْنُونَ And this companion of yours, he's not majnoon, he's not insane. Now, this ayah is not an ayah that's praising Rasulullah. Because you don't praise someone by saying he's not insane. You know, if, you, if I want to praise this man here, I don't say, mashaAllah, this brother is not majnoon. You don't praise him like this. You praise him, you say, MashaAllah, this brother is intelligent. MashaAllah, he's wise. That's how you praise someone. So this ayah is not a praise for Rasulullah. Rather, what did we say? It's an ayah that? Huh? That defends Rasulullah sallallahu So now Allah defended the Qur'an in Surah Abasa. Now He defended the way the Qur'an comes down, the means in which it comes down. Now he is defending this messenger alayhi salaatuam. He's saying wama al-sahibu bi maj. He didn't say wama Muhammadun bi majnoon. He didn't say wama'a rasulukum bi majnoon. Rather he said Sahibukum. The word Sahibukum comes, comes from Sahib. Sahib means a companion. A friend. A friend. A friend that you've known for a long time. That refers to time and a place as well. You've lived right by his side for many years. You've hanged out with him for many years. You know, for example now, if one of you knows another brother in this masjid, Allah, you've been seeing him for for 10 years in this masjid. He's still not your sahib. Because you only know him in the masjid. But when he goes home, he could be a totally different person. So the idea when Allah says, وَمَا sahibukum." He's saying, you fools. You're accusing him of being insane. And you've lived with him. You've lived with him through time. And he's your neighbor. You've basically seen him inside his house, outside his house. You've given him the titles of As-Sadiq Al-Ameen. Wasn't that the case of Quraysh? They called him the most honest, the most trustworthy. Now you're accusing him. And you're saying he's an insane man. He's getting his information from wicked devils and some from I don't know where. So Allah comes to the defense of his messenger والسلام, and he says, This messenger is not insane. Rather, who is insane? Those that you go to for guidance. He is not insane when it comes to guidance. Those fortune tellers that you go to for guidance and information, they're insane. And indeed, no doubt about it, certainly Rasulullah saw him. He saw Jibreel bil ufuq al Al ufuq is the horizon. Al Mubeen is clean. Mean he saw him in the clear horizon. You know where the sky meets the land? That's the clear horizon. He saw him, like he see the sky during the day. He saw with his eyes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes this in Surah al najm He says, Najmi idha Hawa ma wama Hawa." إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيُّ يُوحَى عَلَّمَهُ شَدِيدُ القوى. ذُو مِرَّةٍ فَاسْتَوَى وَهُوَ بِالْأُفُقِ الْأَعْلَى He was in the high, in the most highest and clearest of horizon. ثُمَّ دنى. That's how he came down. he done it. And is to come down softly. You know sometimes you see uh, the bird, the eagle, when it comes down on its prey. He swoops and he takes off, that's quick. Jibril didn't come down like this. he did he came down slowly. فتدلى. And is like the fruit on the tree, how it just hangs down. Then he got really close to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. qaws is a bow. And as is the arrow. Allah is saying, he got so close to Rasulullah as a matter of fact so close that it measures to two bows. قوس, one end, that's the bow, and the other end, two bows put together. That's how close he got to Rasulullah ثُمَّ دَنَا فَتَدَلَّ فَكَانَ قَابَ Even closer. فَأَوْحَى إِلَىٰ عَبْدِهِ مَا أَوْحَى He inspired to his messenger. He revealed to Rasulullah what he got from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he saw him in his original creation. He didn't come this time as a man. Rasulullah saw Jibril twice. This was the first time he saw him, the beginning of revelation. He saw him with his eyes, with his creation. When Jibreel came down, he saw him with 600 wings. One wing had covered between the east and the west. Pearls and gems would drop from his wings. That the hadith says, Only Allah knows where they ended. He saw him. Why is it important to mention this? Unlike the fortune tellers you follow, they didn't even see the devils. They made it like they're mumbling and having this telepathic connection. Then they told you, oh, I got it. They didn't even see anyone. أما رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم, He saw him. ولا بِالْأُفُقِ الْمُبِينِ And the second time, Rasulullah الله صلى الله عليه وسلم saw Jibreel. الله سبحانه وتعالى says ولا نَزْلَةً أُخْرَى He saw him one more time. And this was the final time. When he sees him in the Sidratil Muntaha, he saw him at sidratil Muntaha. Sidra is the loat tree. And this tree is in paradise. And it is at Al-Muntaha. Al-Muntaha is the final, final bit of Jannah. Al-Muntaha is right under the arch. <coughs> in the Sidratil Muntaha. In Jannatul Mawa. Right there. Sidrat al Muntaha is the final place of paradise. In Laylat al isra al Mi'raj, Jibreel alayhi salam took Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam up until they got to this place where the low tree was. Then Jibreel alayhi salam he told Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, You continue. I can't. If I pass this Sidrat al Muntaha, my wings are gonna burn. That's it. I've only been given security clearance up until he. You can go further go ahead that was the second time he saw it and with all this and with all this description of jibreel and this huge creation of jibreel and these qualities of jibreel jibreel is a creation can you comprehend the creator imagine how huge how great allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is this is a creation of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so they say, فَكَيْفَ بِالْخَالِقِ How is it? وَلَقَدْ رَآهُ بِالْأُفْقِ الْمُبِينَ Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَمَا هُوَ عَلَى الْغَيْبِ بِضَنِينَ وَمَا هُوَ عَلَى الْغَيْبِ بِضَنِينَ And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He's not cheap when it comes to al ghaib You know the Qur'an, a lot of it is ghaib. A lot of it is future events. It's the events of the day of judgment what happens after your death what's going to happen in the end of time it's right so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying huwa? he is not cheap when it comes to information about the future he is reading this quran too at no cost for free unlike your fortune tellers for rubbish, you gotta pay. For something that's not real, for something that's going to misguide you, you have to pay money. In order to get rubbish. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Hey you fools, you don't understand. وَمَا هُوَ عَلَى الْغَيْبِ بِضَلِينٍ And the word ضَلِينٌ, the closest word in the Arabic language to it bakhil. Now you know, ضَلِينٌ is, is different to bakhil. It all means cheap, to be tight and cheap. But Baneen is to be cheap when it comes to information. You know like how you have McDonald's? They have like a big lock on their their Big Mac sauce, on their recipe. They're cheap when it comes to information. They don't give you this information. They hold it back. They're tight on information. You know, some successful business companies if you go, please, can you run us through the procedure? Just give us your manual. How did you run this business so we can be like you? They won't give it to you. It's cheap, tight. And the most noble and the most best of information is this Qur'an. And look how cheap. And, and look, look how free it's coming. at no cost. Allah wants you to have this Qur'an. Read it and find where its guidance for you is. So this is unlike... Unlike the Kuffar Quraish when it comes to apparently telling you your future, when it comes to apparently, oh, we just spoke to the devil, let's tell you your future, stinginess. That we won't tell you. You're not a payas. Payas will tell you what happens in the future. And then we'll conclude with, and this word is not the word of a Satan Rajim. Shaytan, it's not the word of the devil. Rajim means uh he's cursed. He's cursed. That's Rajim. Rajim also comes from Rajim. You know Rajim how you pelt. The shaitan is so cursed so much so that Yani when you go to literally when you go to Makkah, when you go to Hajj you're pelting actually you're pelting. You're building where he was. His waswas, his whispers. That's why it was called Shaytan al Rajim. So Allah is saying this word is not the word of the devil. Unlike your fortune tellers, your palm readers, those that you go for guidance and advice, their word is what? Shaytan al Rajim. Their word is the word of the devil. So subhanAllah, now Alhamdulillah, we probably had a better understanding why these ayat come in place. Why is Allah saying, All this, وما, 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 وما. Why is it important to know all this? Because alhamdulillah when we understood the introduction to this ayat, we understood that this is coming in defense of Rasulullah and it's an attack against the Kufar, against the Quraysh, saying no, 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 all this is actually for you the message is, oh, wama, 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 wama. There comes a very important uh, question when it comes to, wama huwa Shaytan We said, shaytan and rajim is a cursed devil. Now the question is, when we mention the devil, when we mention the name of Iblis, shaytan, do we curse him? Do we say, Iblis, la'alamullah? Is it part of our deen to say this? So, wallahu alam. That's not the case. We don't say this. We don't say Iblis Allah. Although, if you say that, there's no harm in this. But there is no order, no instruction from Allah ta'ala that He says curse him when His name is mentioned. What does Allah order us when we hear the word shaytan? What do we say? <inaudible> <inaudible> we seek refuge in Allah from the shaytan. So, when we say Iblis, we say na'uzu billahi min. That's the dua we make. Because when you say Allah, why are you making back against him? He's already cursed. Allah told the regime, the cursed. That he's already cursed. It's not going to increase in his curse when you say this. Allah says in Surah Al-Nisa, Shaytan la Allah. Allah. already cursed him. We have to seek refuge within Allah, with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala from Iblis. Now a perfect example uh, that uh, Sheikh Ishaq Abu, um, Abu Ishaq Al-Huwayni gave on this. And I'd like to share with you. He said, you know, there's an owner and there's a dog. If the dog kept barking and following you and you pelted it with stones, is it gonna come back? It's gonna come back. Then pelted again, it's gonna come back. Pelted a third time, it's gonna come back. But if you go to the owner and say, hey, listen, your dog is causing problems. Lock him up and get him out of here. You won't see that dog again. So cursing please." It's like throwing the stones at this dog. Throw and throw and... La'anahu Allah, what's he gonna do? He's gonna come back. But ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala that He gets rid of this shaitan from your life. And then inshallah ta'ala you will see him again. For this is, bi هُوَ بِقَوْلِ al Rajim, And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, and we'll conclude perhaps inshallah this, فَأَيْنَ Powerful conclusion to this surah. Allah poses a question. فَأَيْنَ تَذْهَبُونَ after all this, and all this reality, where are you heading? Where are you going? You know, in the past two surah, the kuffar were asking the questions. اِذَنْكَ They're asking the questions. Now in this surah, Allah asks the question. فَأَيْنَ تَذْهَبُونَ Where do you think you're heading towards? This is the reality. Day of Judgment is in front of you, that's what you're heading towards. So what are you getting out of rejecting Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, refusing his message? What are you getting out of it? Going to the fortune tellers, picking up information from them? Nothing. So where are you going? فَأَيْنَ تَذْهَبُونَ إِلَّا ذِكْرٌ لِلْعَالَمِينَ This Qur'an is nothing only, it's only but a reminder. We will discuss this insha'Allah ta'ala uh, in the next uh, week, insha'Allah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us people of the Quran, people who benefit from the reminders of the Quran. We ask Allah to give us a deeper understanding of the Quran and to correct our understanding of the Quran.